My story begins in uh, December of 1968 in Brookings, South Dakota. That's where I met Jude. We were polar opposites. For example, I liked summers. She liked winters. She was uh, among the quiet type, whereas I liked to party. <laughs> but those differences represented a kind of uh, excitement. And I had, I, I could envision our being in a relationship with one another. There was only one problem. It was a diamond ring on her left hand. <laughs> I was a senior at South Dakota State University, and in another semester I would, get, I would have my uh, bachelor's degree. I had just broken up with my girlfriend, Jill, for no particular reason, uh, as with uh, other uh, guys on campus, I guess I like the idea of playing the field. In addition, going too long with Jill, or even going too long with any, any girl for that matter, could have uh, ended up being something permanent. And I certainly did not want to have that happen. <laughs> the only exception, maybe Jude. Now, Jude had her uh, uh, associate's degree in lab technology, and during the preceding summer, she had moved from northern Minnesota to Brookings. In order to accept her very first full-time job as a lab tech at the uh, Brookings Municipal Hospital. Now, my roommate knew her roommate, and these two women invited us for dinner one evening at their apartment. It was December 14th. I immediately liked Jude, and after dinner, we went to another room so we could uh, talk privately. That's how I learned that we didn't have a single thing in common. <laughs> but, you know, it really didn't seem to matter. The, the longer we talked, the more I thought that Jude could be that person with whom I could spend a lifetime. She thought that person was her fiancé. <laughs> she, was, she was going to marry the same guy that she had dated all through high school. Jude was ready to return to Eveleth, Minnesota, her hometown of 5,000 people dedicated to everything hockey. Her wedding would be in March. Everything was set. The uh, church was reserved. The pastor was ready. Her parents had, had, uh, uh, had the... the the place for the reception. Her five bridesmaids had already bought their identical dresses. <laughs> and Jude and her husband would make their home in Eveleth, where they would live ever after. Despite Jude's uh, leaving Brookings permanently, or, or maybe because of her leaving Brookings permanently, we began seeing one another every day. We went, we went to, to one another's apartment. We went to movies together. We, we, we went to restaurants. 
That engagement ring may have been assigned to other guys that she was off limits, but I could let people think that maybe this poverty-stricken college student had given it to her. (laughs) We had invested so much time in one another that we didn't want to end it. And I eventually told Jude that she should get married in March. Not to a man in Minnesota, though, but to me. And one evening, as we sat on her sofa and listened to Strangers in the Night by Frank Sinatra in a long-playing vinyl record album, I leaned over and asked, Will you marry me? Now, if she said yes, she was bound to wonder whether staying in Eveleth, especially with people that she had known since childhood, may have created more stability for her. On the other hand, if she said no to me, she would undoubtedly uh, find times at which she would ask herself uh, whether uh, she may have lost some adventures or some opportunities by not by not embracing some new environment. See, there were opportunity costs with each choice. (laughs) Jude's choice was to back away. Oh, I'm sorry. Back away from the the, uh, engagement and return the engagement ring, the, the diamond ring. Her parents were stunned. Her fiancé, her (laughs) ex-fiancé, went into crisis mode. He even boarded an airplane to Brookings so that he could talk with Jude face-to-face about the weather, whether he could convince her to marry him. (laughs) And if there were any individuals in Eveleth who were prone to gossip, Well, here was an entirely new topic. (laughs) We had invested so much time in one one another that we didn't want it to end. And June had asked uh, her parents for permission for to let me go home with them, to uh, go home with her on a weekend so they could meet me. But the answer was always, uh, you know, it's simply too soon. You have to give this community time to recover (laughs) from what you have done. It had become clear to us that we were not going to get support from anyone except maybe from our roommates. And so by February, we had made the decision to dispense with invitations and, uh, and, and uh, wedding uh, things altogether. We just wanted to leave it all behind us. What we did need, however, was someone to officiate the wedding. And the logical man to do it would be a justice of the peace. 
Whatever we did, though, we had to keep it out of the Brookings newspaper. Uh, I mean, otherwise, someone who knew Jude could tell her parents. So the, the solution would be to find an out-of-town justice. Aurora, South Dakota was a community of maybe 300 people or so, just a little bit east of Brookings. It probably didn't even have a newspaper. So Jude and I drove to Aurora. We went to the town hall and asked to meet with the Justice of the Peace. The Justice of the Peace happened to be my former girlfriend Jill's mother. (laughs) For real. Whenever I think of Jill's mom and her willingness to marry us, I, I uh, think of, I, I remember, a, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember a, uh, an eagerness in her demeanor. <laughs> no, it was an over-eagerness. <laughs> then Jude and I began... Uh, <clears throat> questioning why we were ready to uh, get married in March when February was a much more romantic month. I, I mean, her, her uh, roommate could be her bridesmaid, and my best man could be my roommate. So Monday, we found our ideal wedding bands and even had our names engraved in the insides of the rings. On Tuesday, we got her marriage license. Wednesday, we got these blood tests, which the state of South Dakota required at that time. On Thursday, we discovered what people would call uh, uh, a miraculous cake, wedding cake. Now, it was only one, one small cake, one tear, no tears. That was not a great pun, but thank you. (laughs) And Friday, after Jude finished work and I was through with classes, we fought a blizzard all the way to Aurora and then waited an hour for our roommates to show. But it was Valentine's Day. We had eloped. February 14th was exactly two months from the day that we first met. The next day I called my parents to tell them that they had a (laughs) daughter-in-law. Jude didn't call her parents, though. She was waiting for them to say they were ready to meet me. And that wouldn't be for several weeks. When they did consent, she told them in a letter that we already were married. A letter which would arrive on the same day that we did. I felt, I felt that we were being very thoughtful. They didn't have to make up two beds after all. <laughs> Uh, 
I'll always remember the day that the father and mother-in-law met the son-in-law. It was a day that I would later, uh, later describe as uh, an incarnation of anxiety. <laughs> but the anxiety didn't last long. Her parents and I developed a friendship before, we, uh, before Jude and I had to go back to Brookings. And it was a friendship that would become even deeper the longer we were married. Uh, the, the gossip persisted. Uh, when is the baby due? <laughs> the baby wouldn't be due for two more years. <laughs> a daughter. And two years after that, we would have a son. And in additional three years, we would have a second son. When one of my associates remarked how good-looking my kids were, he added, the mother must be attractive. <laughs> Today, the three of them are educated, have rewarding careers and children of their own, and Jill's still J Jude. <laughs> no, no, no. Jude is still being given credit for those good genes. Uh, this story may not have an ending, but I would like to conclude by concluded by sharing with you one more comment. It's also from 1969, uh, the year we were married. It is, well, that's one marriage that won't last forever. <clears throat> uh, maybe they're right. Maybe it won't last forever. After all, as of yesterday, it's been only 53 years. Thank you. Now, at this very moment, Jude, my polar opposite, is right down here in the front of the auditorium. <laughs> During our 53 years together, I have come to believe that one genuine woman in an ever-evolving relationship can provide more variety than several girlfriends. <laughs> also, I have uh, I've come to believe uh, that that every day offers something compelling. And among all the random events which have affected our lives, we have internalized the ones which have kept the two of us newlyweds. Thank you. <laughs>